Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I retired at the age of 41 to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped this past fall and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. We record each week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Today, I am joined by Dominique Goncalves, a Mozambican ecologist focused on elephant conservation in Gorongosa National Park and a National Geographic Fellow. Her interest in biodiversity protection and human population increase inspired her to earn her MSc in conservation biology and now is working on her PhD in biodiversity management at Durrell Institute of Conservation and Ecology at University of Kent. Dominique and I talked about the restoration of Gorongosa National Park after war. She gets very personal about her own experience when there wasn't always shoes or food to support her educational pursuits. Yet she is using her experience and education to build her community and ensure that the young girls outside of the park are not victims of child marriage. Dominique currently serves as manager of the Elephant Ecology Project, where she investigates elephant movement and range expansion in relation to habitat use and human-elephant conflict. Working with law enforcement and sustainable development colleagues, Dominique hopes to build coexistence between communities and wildlife throughout the buffer zone surrounding the park. In addition to this, Dominique works closely with Park Girls Club programs. She is a passionate advocate for girls' education to prevent early marriage. Let's dig in. Before we get started on our interview, I wanted to share some background about what's so special about Gorongosa National Park. Dominique explained before the interview a few things that I thought were really amazing and that she'll comment on during the course of our conversation. Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique has a dramatic history. During the country's civil war, the park was decimated and then abandoned altogether in 1983. At the end of the war, more than 90% of the park's wildlife had been lost, as well as over a million Mozambicans. American philanthropist Greg Carr was invited by then-President Chisano to help him and his government rebuild Gorongosa Park. President Chisano had a vision for changing the nature of national parks from solely conservation entities into enterprises that help the local people who live near the parks. He developed this idea with Nelson Mandela in 1992, the year of the Rio Earth Summit. Greg Carr had founded the Carr Center for Human Rights Policy at Harvard University and transitioned from making money to judiciously giving it away. Since 2004, he has been the driving force behind the restoration of Gorongosa National Park in Africa. In 2008, Carr and the government signed a 20-year contract with Carr bequeathing the park $40 million. Carr now spends about half the year in Gorongosa and half in the U.S. This has allowed him to continue the task of working with the Mozambique government, co-managing the park, to make Gorongosa the best park in Africa, while at the same time helping to look after the economic well-being of the 175,000 people who live around the nature preserve. Dominique shares that Gorongosa develops land, animals, and humans through programs offered around agriculture, food security, the prevention of illness, and the upliftment of girls to assist in ending child marriage in the region. Dominique is personally drawn to the efforts to assist girls and provide education as it has been the central driving force in her own life, saying, 
Once you have education, it cannot be taken away. She describes girls as being the most vulnerable population and truly underestimated. I know you're gonna love this interview. Today I have with me Dominique Goncalves, who I am so excited to talk to. Welcome to the show, Dominique. Thank you for calling in from the UK. Thank you, Janet. It's really a pleasure for me to be able to talk to you. I'm so honored. I really admire your work and yeah, let's do this. I love it. I love it. Well, so Dominique and I met a couple of years ago through conversations with exceptional women in Sun Valley, Idaho. And it was one of those meetings where you walk away and are so impressed. They're so impressed by you and the work you're doing. And I really wanted to share your story with my listeners. Um, most specifically because Dominique is doing amazing work in the world of conservation, but it has a personal storyline and a personal thread. And I would love for you to share with my listeners how you originally got involved with Gore and Gosa. And was it always your plan to be an ecologist or was it more just kind of a matter of circumstance and opportunity? How did that happen? Well, I'd say, you know, Gurungoza, um, it's, it's actually difficult or special to explain because it's so related to my own personal life and story that I, I, it's hard for me to see where one thing started and one thing stopped. So it all started because, yes, I, I had great passion for biology and my father's history, uh, you know, stories about the wild and the forest. So, and I decided to study biology and with great effort and a lot of support from my parents, I managed to get accepted to the course of ecology and conservation of terrestrial biodiversity in the oldest university in Mozambique. So when I was really uh, last year and my, uh, of my undergrad, that was the year where when Gorongoza opened the E.O. Wilson Bedvester Laboratory. So this is all, it's how it all started because I sent an email on the website of the park asking to be a trainee, you know, to do some internship and to learn because all I wanted was to get more practice and experience because Mozambique, yes, we have great natural resources, but it's hard for someone, especially in the field of conservation, to really get into the field and do practice. One of the things that I noticed with my recent trip to Tanzania, and and I don't know if you remember, I had originally wanted to go to Mozambique because I, uh, Dominique and I are Facebook friends, so I get to see all of these amazing (laughs) photos. Um, and you recently were collaring elephants and tracking. I, know, I loved it. You were tracking the the migration patterns of elephant mothers, and I was like, if I'm going to go to Africa and go and you know have this experience, I want to do this with with um, Dominique. Unfortunately, it was your rainy season. It was the only time I could go. So I went to Tanzania, and I have to tell you, I've come back changed in a lot of ways. And I was, I had this amazing experience where I got to be so close to all of these beautiful animals and it's amazing to me because you see death and birth and life and destruction these entire cycles of life happening right before you and you get to see the um, the systems at play and the hierarchies and 
um, it was just really, really fascinating. But one of the things that I noticed is that as I was leaving each park or area, there was astounding poverty around us. And it was very clear that in some areas, it was very patriarchal. There was some kind of systems of power where um, the woman kind of took more of you were to raise the children and take care of the home and the crops and things like that. I saw women washing their pots in muddy, stagnant water. I saw children without shoes that did not have opportunities. And while we've talked about you knowing, you know, you're you have you're one of, of three girls. Your father felt that there was a huge importance in education, and you yourself have talked about the importance of education. It doesn't seem that that's the opportunity for most girls. Would you say that it's cultural, or do you think it's more a system of poverty that creates some of these, um, unfortunately, they're, they're not given the same opportunities, it seems, um, whether it's boys or girls, but it seems I noticed um, mm-hmm. that the girls kind of suffered more in the areas outside of the parks? You know, it's tricky for me to answer this question, but I would say, you know, I I do believe it's mostly poverty, although I was, my family was poor in those times, but still my, my parents did not decide that we should get married or anything. Mm. Um, but uh, poverty definitely is the thing because... When people are poor, they want to have a lot of kids. So first of all, they can assure that some of them survive if dad has got sick because they won't be able to, you know, afford hospital hospitals and stuff wow. and medication. Wow. So of course you need a guarantee that at least some of your kids will be there when you get old. And also the other thing is, as, as more kids you have, you have more health at home or in the farm or with livestock, right? And if you have girls, these girls one day will be married, so someone will be able to take care of them, maybe give them something that you couldn't afford to give them, and they will be fine because they'll become mothers, and maybe their husband will help your family and their sisters and young brothers, do you understand? I do see that all related to poverty, that's why mm. I say it's not that the parents don't want maybe to give equal opportunities. I'll tell I'll give you an example. My mom's family, there were ten, five boys, five girls. Only eight are alive now and eight uh, four girls, four boys, but we could see that all all most of yeah, yeah, definitely all school opportunities were given to boys. Mm. All my uncles were the first going to university and stuff, but my aunties not really. Even my mom, my mom only got to, you know, technical school and so. So it's really related to poverty. And that's why when we say, if they have opportunity for school, they'll give to the boy because they will think that the boy one day would have to take care of the whole family and also be have a family of their own while the female, the girl, they will be married, she'll be married, she'll be fine. Maybe then that part becomes a little bit of culture thing mm-hmm. because it's been like that for so long, you know, even when the, where the, where the, where, when it was the time of the emperors, were still there, women would have a role in the society and was, you know, to have, give children and take care of the houses and this and that, but things are changing. It's changing that some people see that women also, the daughters need to 
become someone to study, but there's still poverty there. So poverty might be the thing that is still really being the big barrier for that change. So do you find like what's the I, I know you've said one of the things that you're the most passionate about is the girls program, the girls club that you run the after school program. What has been, have you, can you tell me about a couple of experiences with some of the girls or some of the things that you get to teach them or do with them that really lights you up and makes you really happy that you get to, to be part of this program? Oh, there's so many things I can tell you when, first of all, it's like in, in this girls program, although they learn a lot, they also need to see examples, mm. real life examples, right? So it's different when you just go and talk, 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 that, oh, women can do this, you can become this. But when you bring someone and they see that it's possible, it's from the same, they, they, they region, they province, and, you know, they see communalities, the same identity, it becomes real for them that it's possible to be a different thing. It's possible to be you know, someone who studied and not a mother of 10 children one day. Yes. So yeah. what I am exactly is a role model. <laughs> I go there as a role model, although I would love to do it more than I do now. I don't do enough. I wish I could be there all the time and visit it, visit different groups more than 100 times, 100,000 times mm. to make sure that we have that connection to make sure that I'm there when they need, not just one visit and then, you know, inspire them and then disappear. It's, I, I wish I could do more than that. But when I go there, first of all, I can't, I have to tell you, my heart jumps so much because I become so nervous because I see myself, you know. Yes. <laughs> I, I see, I see when I was young, uh, I didn't have a lot of models to, you know, role models that would come and talk to me or just see and imagine. I would imagine that it's possible, but I didn't really have someone that I can look and say, wow, that's what I want to be. So but I, I think that they're so fortunate to have some role models that come and talk to them. And I really think, I hope they grab the opportunity. But going back of what... I would do, I would do when I go there. So I prepare myself a lot because it's so emotional for me. It's very hard for me not to cry, especially when I'm talking about my, my personal life to them because I go there, I greet them. Normally they have, they already dancing and singing to welcome me. It's so warm, so nice. But then I have to break that barrier. I have to, to make them see that forget about all this, you know, greeting and stuff, like formal things, let's talk. Mm. It's me, mm. show the real me. And then we see it and we, I start talk. It's a little bit difficult sometimes to break that, but with some, what I do, I just open myself. I, I can't, can't help. I can't help without, you know, not doing that. I just open myself and I normally I tell them my life story because it's not easy and I share with them things actually it was with girls club that I first shared things that I've never shared before about my personal life like the fact that I was I didn't have great shoes to walk to school you know that the fact that I had to walk me and my sister had to walk all here a big distance from home to school when we're living in a very urban area it was not normal to do that but we had to you know 
That's interesting. That impresses so much on me because that was one of the things I noticed when we were traveling through East Africa. Um, You would see the children going to school and they had to walk so far and not all of them had the appropriate clothing. And they said that some of the kids, it was very difficult because there was not food at the school for lunch. So it was very hard for them to go all the way home and have lunch and come back. So they would go without food. And Exactly. And that brings another story of my life that the first time I'm going to ship like publicly is that I had to do that. I had to walk these old things I'll say to the, to the girls, mm. but th- I would, I would have to go and walk and then go to school, stay in school and come back. And my father in that moment, in that time of our lives, he was not working. So we would go back and cook until my father, one day we just, we went back home and we had food on the table. So my father started to learn how to cook because he couldn't, he couldn't deal with his daughters arriving and still have to cook. So of course the first days the food was terrible, <laughs> but then my father became one of the greatest cooks we had, and it was like wow because you know he he was the old situation we we're living in. So we would go home and we knew that, oh my God, be ready because dad definitely cooked something <laughs> and we have did. But yeah, then he became one of the best. So see, all these kind of things I would share with the girls and you, you, then you st- for me, the most rewarding moment is when they start to change the look because first they just look like, oh, let's listen to her. Right. You know, she came, right. we have to listen. But then she start to bend her head and the eyes change and they start to look more to me like she is, I can't believe she is what she is now because she just looks like us, you know? Mm-hmm. And she, they start to understand, they start to believe that is possible. And of course I ask some questions, some of them are more talkative, some are not. Um, it takes time, but the, really the moment is best moment is like when we play I would join them in the place I'll take pictures I'll show my pictures of to them you know the pictures when I'm working with elephants the pictures the picture of me graduating for example uh, pictures of me as young and with family and things I had to do all these really inspires them and that's that's the thing that's my that's my only role on the girls club and, you know, I wish I could give most, most of the time to that. Unfortunately, it depends on many things. It depends on the availability of them and mine too, because, you know, I have other things to do. And they have school. We should not forget that they have school. We should not forget that even after girls' club, they still go home and they still have roles and do just to do at home. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but that's a break. That's a moment that they, they dream and they believe and they see that it's possible. So for us, that means a lot. The difference, the change will not come in next year or anything. It will take 10, 5, 10 years. But we do believe, we strongly believe that this is is a way to start. I, well, mm-hmm. and you're offering them an opportunity for a connection. 
And there is something that I believe in very truly and that a girl cannot be what she cannot see. Exactly what you said. She has to be able to see other women and the fact that you're able to go, and you know, you're you're getting your PhD, you're at what, University of Kent, if I'm not mistaken, um, mm. studying, you're a National Geographic fellow, you're kind of this person out there in the world who's explaining um, all of the great wondrous things that are happening at Gorongosa and taking your work very seriously. And you have to go do that so that you can then come back and offer them um, that 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 connection where they can see like she was a girl just like us who didn't have the right shoes to go to school and may have been hungry and whose dad had to learn how to cook for her and I love your dad I feel like your dad was a very supportive good influence um and I I, it's kind of funny dads of girls um I love I love when I see a strong father who encourages her daughter or encourages his daughter to to be more than than what she could have imagined around her um, and it sounds like your dad was a big influence in your life. Would you say that's right? Yeah, he was the greatest influence in my life. Um, the other thing, uh, my dad did a lot um, because I told you he he did not work for a long time and my mom was the only woman working mm-hmm. and the only person in the household and she would be working and then she would come and she, she makes dresses. My mom is a tailor, so she would make dad at night and my dad would stay there with her until midnight or whatever you know just so she wouldn't be alone doing that when she was working but then the greatest thing is like he would talk to us a lot and I really believe dialogue is the best thing because even if we had problems at home at school with mom and this and that all my dad only his only way was to talk and we would talk about everything in the world all things they know about stars about cars about football about <laughs> because of my dad even when he had we did not agree we'd always always talk and yeah he's the one who would say you can do you can be whatever you want but mm-hmm. focus 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 you know when every day before school we'd have to study either the homework or whatever my dad would come to me and say, start again from the first page of your exercise book. Every day until, you know, I was, we were able to say every kind of writing we had in our exercise books because my dad would make us do that every day. And he always stressed how important education was, is for us, for women, for girls. I, you know, it's, it's amazing. I am, I feel lucky. I know I am lucky. I know not everyone has this kind of father. And it's a different setting. It will be rude for me to say that me and the girls from the girls club is exactly the same. We're not. Uh, they are in a more delicate and special situation than I was. Maybe not just because of maybe the poverty is even more stressed, is even more intense, but maybe they don't have this kind of parental support I had. Mm. So that's a big difference. That's the major difference because imagine if I didn't have that for my parents, I wouldn't be maybe talking to you here now. So, yeah, um, that's the thing. I wish all men could be maybe not 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 exactly as my father, better than him, 
Why not? <laughs> Why not? Shoot for the stars. Well, I have I have a question for you that I, I you know, I kind of prefaced this earlier in, in one of our conversations through email. And I, I'd love to get kind of your viewpoint on your younger self with all of the changes that you've made in your life and all of your achievements and accomplishments. I mean, standing on the stage for National Geographic on Half Earth Day, that had to be a huge accomplishment and something that felt amazing. Um <laughs> If you looked back at your younger self, like a younger version of yourself, would you would you have any advice for her? Anything that you would want to share with her based on your life experiences and the things that you've now accomplished? Wow, uh, I told a lot about this. And, you know, when I think, when I think about my younger self, um, when I think about when I was young, all I remember is how worried I was about everything. I was very worried about future. Would I be able to study? Will my family be able to afford to send me to school? What are we gonna eat tomorrow? You know, this and that, all this kind of thing. So I was, and I was very sensitive. I was was very fragile, (laughs) I would say. And I would cry for everything. I would absorb any kind of energy around me, you know? And one thing I would say to my younger self is, uh, you do you do well in worrying. It's great that you worry because it's the fact that you worried so much that you were able to keep going and focus and you know be where you are today. But you know, don't worry so much because things are going to work out. Yeah, you know. It sounds things like you turned will be, things your, will be fine. It sounds like you turned your worry to focus, right? It turned yeah. into survival. Did you ever were you ever concerned at any point in time that you would um that you would have to think about getting married or or anything like that or did your father was he very clearly um against that at an at a young age? Never. I never thought that I would have to get married to my survival of anything never so I think that was my worrying was always about my family well-being and education actually because I remember thinking I want to be someone you know oh I love that well you had that from the very beginning yeah yeah I I want to study and the other thing I would say to my younger self is um you need to yes my worrying became focused you're right and then I, I started to focus on trying to get everything, you know, trying to to pay, give my attention and details to everything. So I would say focus exactly on what is important. Highlight the priorities. Be less vulnerable to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, am, I used to be, I am maybe still very empathetic about the world and you know energies around so i would say be less vulnerable and really focus what's important and forget about don't give so much time and your thoughts to other things but focus on what you can do what you can achieve and how these things you're doing and achieving can really improve some other people's life and about family Everything will be fine. You'll survive, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. Well, I, I, wish, I think that I wish, 
I, I had someone to to tell me that actually. <laughs> well, I mean, and what you've just described is one of the things that, like, I I recognized personally is you're so powerful yeah. and you didn't know it. You know, you have so much power to create, um, and a lot of times we allow like you said, the energies of people around you and the world around you and the things around you to make you fearful or concerned. But look how much power you were able to harness um, with your focus and with your decision to to be someone. I love what you said about I want to be someone and you are definitely someone. So I think it's I think it's really beautiful. I will tell you, I um I grew up with um I grew up poor and mm-hmm. I, I think I felt kind of sorry for myself for a very long time because I didn't have the same opportunities that most kids did and so I didn't even think that I could have a lot of the things that came in my life I didn't think that not only that I could deserve them but that they were ever attainable to me and that kind of been my storyline I have to tell you when we were driving through um we were driving from Zanzibar airport to where we were staying and I saw poverty like I've never seen poverty. And I realized that we all have these stories we tell ourselves about our lack, but there's always someone who who has, you know, a worse situation who may not even see it as that, right? They may not even notice. Um, so I just, I, I'm so appreciative of what you have to share. And I, I love what you said to your younger self. If you had, and I don't know if this would be different, but you know, the the name of the podcast is Gold, sharing gold nuggets of wisdom and inspiration. If you had to share any gold nuggets for anyone, like if you could imagine any woman or girl or any one person or, or group, and you wanted to share the nuggets and wisdom from your soul, what do you, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, for young girls, women who might be going through same kind of uncertainty, insecurity, anxiety about life and themselves, you know, or they're under pressure. It's like, I like to say that just believe you're capable of achieving a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have light and strength. And when you rise, you give also light to and power to many others. So be strong and because you, you can make a big difference. Doesn't how other people or uh, the things around you are. Just believe that you are always gonna gonna have your own light, you know, and strength, and always be true to yourself. You know, when you see the opportunity coming, that's that's something that I always also had to in my head. When you see the opportunity coming, take it. And if opportunities don't come, make an opportunity. Make mm. it happen. Find a way to make it happen. I love that. Make an opportunity. That's fantastic. That's really great advice. (laughs) Because a lot of people don't realize that you can that you can do that. You can you have that power. Um, I love it. If if I have any listeners who wanted to help women and girls or wanted to get involved and support um, how, what's the best way to do that? Is it to get involved with a girls club or send donations or help with um, school supplies? Or what would you recommend if someone wanted to get involved and was moved by this conversation? You know, uh, I'll say anything is welcome. We would love to have more support and not just because of the support, but 
getting people to think about these values about girls mm -hmm. and it's not only in our buffer zone but many other places but if we want to help and support the girls in our buffer zone with us you're most welcome and just contact any of us you can contact me you can contact the website Vasco Galant is great in responding you can contact Greg you can contact anyone <laughs> you know <laughs> because in Gorongosa this is so deep in our hearts that any when we see that and someone wants to get involved it's like yes welcome to the team we were waiting for you <laughs> I love it yeah so anyone you can contact and chat about it because some people might be more interested in education some others might be interested in you know in maybe food security or health so you can decide where you want to focus your target and support what it can be and we will make sure that this gets to the people you want to if you don't just want girls you want some something else like boys too fine no problem we'll make sure we will be just a the career you know to bring your support to these people and to make and make sure that they know you're the one who is helping to change their lives i love it and i, I also know I've, I've met some of the folks involved with um gorongosa they're always welcome um you're always welcome to to go and at some point in time i'm going to get out there and you're going to take me and help introduce me to some elements <laughs> because i just sure. adore following you on facebook and i'm like your day looks so different than my day um I'm it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And I just want to tell you, I, I appreciate what you're doing and who you are. You are somebody and you're doing an amazing, an amazing job of advocating for the conservation of the animals within the park, but also the community and the future of, of Mozambique. So thank you for what you do in the world and, and the part that you play and the voice that you have, um, because I think it's a really beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. And, you know, this, as I say, this is all rewarding when we, we get people interested in listening to our stories and what we're doing. It's, it's, it's the big thing, too, because then I can go back to my girls and I say, guess what? I was just talking to this lady mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, a lady that is magnificent and she's doing this and that, they'll be so impressed. And if they, when they know that I was talking about them, so yeah, that will be mind blowing for them too. So thank you for, you know, for your time and your kindness and helping me to go through this. I, I have to say, uh, to be honest, this conversation was amazing because I also realized many things of myself, you know, made me think about things about me and myself and my family and everything that I've never really stopped to think before. So oh, thank you. I love that. I love that. And love to your dad and your family because I think that they're the bomb. So, um, <laughs> well, I appreciate everything. And I will absolutely put links to the Gorongosa site and um, ways you can connect with Dominique and Greg Carr and the folks over um, in Gorongosa if there's any interest. And have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Dominique's spirit and her desire to be someone made real and how that's inspiring young women in her community. 
If you would like to learn more about Gorongosa National Park and their efforts, visit them at gorongosa.org or shoot me a note in the comments with your email address and I will personally connect you with Dominique and the team in Mozambique. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your girlfriends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them in the show notes. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. If you'd like to get deep in the work with me, pick up my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, now available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Living intentionally is where it's at, and if you are anything like me, you get out of bed and reach for your phone. I love to say that I do yoga first thing, but let's be honest, I open my eyes to news and I'm ready to counter that with my own weekly intention journey. I'm inviting you, totally free, from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my love notes at JeanetteSchneider.com, and before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with intention-setting prompts and give you some tips as to what is setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. As always, thank you so much for joining. Please share with your friends, and in the words of my grandmother, love each other every day. Every day.